Hello and welcome to Genealogy Adventures. I'm Brian Sheffy. I'm Donya Williams. How are you guys doing today? Thank you as always for um, sharing part of your Sunday with us. I don't know about where you are, but today it's almost like spring in DC. Yes, it's really beautiful outside. It is a beautiful today. day out there. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> we're sorry that we're a little late. Um, Ryan and I had a ride, but we'll talk about that another day. <laughs> today we are talking with my friend, Mr. Ma Mr. Mac. Mr. Mac works with me at the DAR, and one day he and I were talking and we found out that we both um, actually work, that we both lived in Norfolk. I lived in Virginia Beach, he lived in Norfolk, and it just started this whole conversation. And I learned that he used to work for the railroad and he broke into this story and I was like, oh my God, people need to know this. And that's what brought him to the show. So welcome, Mr. Matt. Thank you. <laughs> I love him, y'all, I'm telling y'all I love him. So no, really, really happy to have you on the show. And again, it's going to be a really going to be a good conversation as always. Yes. So if you'd like to tell us a little bit about how you got into working on the railroad. Well, first of all, I started working on the railroad April the 23rd, 1974. Um, it's a training period. You have to work each job. It's 30 different jobs and they go from Elizabeth City to Edenton, uh, North Carolina, all the way through to uh, Plymouth, North Carolina, and uh, in Chesapeake, where my home base was Division 65, even though I had started working, I wasn't working any more than three days a week, so I signed up for Chocolate Winnet in North Carolina, where I could go up there and work uh, six days a week, 12 hours a day. I wanted to work. So I went to Plymouth, North Carolina, got a lot of experience up there. And that was the beginning of my railroad career. What was it as, um, as an industry that kind of really drew you to that as a, as a career? Well, my uncle Dorsey, um, my dad's brother worked for the railroad for 35 years. And my dad worked there for about eight years. And uh, that's what brought my interest to it because I had talked with him about it. And I let him, I informed him that I had seen this ad in the paper about a job. And uh, he told me to go out there and pursue that and see how that would go. So that's where, how I started. And while we were there, it was about three, four hundred people out there. But surprisingly, everyone that went out there with me was hired. It was four of us. And uh, we started our railroad career. Um, I, myself, got really involved that I just kept train hopping. That's what you call it. I, if I was working in Chesapeake Yard for two jobs. That night, before I would go home, I would just go get on the caboose and go to Plymouth, North Carolina. From Plymouth, North Carolina, I would go to Elizabeth City. I mean, I just kept train hopping until I finished my 30 days. And so I finished my days mainly before anyone. After my 30 days, I 
came home, and uh, then they called me for my first job. So uh, <clears throat> that sounds like some uh, determination. Yes, that's what that was for me. Was it my father would say? You, you kept your eye on the prize. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. So I guess my other question for you is, considering when your, your, father, your, your family was working in the, on the railroads, and when you started, that was Jim Crow. Yes. What, what was that like? I mean, especially as you were working in the South. Well, most of the um, African Americans that worked out there were on section gangs, you know, driving spikes. And I went through transportation, so I was uh, a head-end brakeman. In other words, I carried the locomotive around everywhere that it went. And uh, the other field man, we would rotate that. I would do that for, say, two weeks. The next two weeks, I'd be the field man. I'd be out lining switches. And, but the surprising thing was that when I came back from Plymouth, North Carolina, after about eight months, coming into the yard, all of these uh, African-American brothers were on the ground, and they driving spikes. So to see me come in on the front of the locomotive was a shock to them because they'd never seen anyone that was in transportation coming in on a $250,000 locomotive. And I could see the expression in their faces, like, when did this start? It had just started. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was, uh, well, it was an eye-opener for me because I didn't know it was like that. I kind of sensed that it was like that because there were only uh, European Americans out there working. And the surprising thing about that was that when I got off that day, I asked my uncle, why are all these tracks different colors, red, yellow, blue, orange? And he explained to me that you can most of the the white men that worked out there did not have an education and could not read. So they would put the red car in the red track. Now, but oh. you gotta understand this. The car, the, the whole car is not red. Mm -hmm. They just, the conductor, he probably had more education than the rest of them. He would put a mark on that car and he would go down the line. It might be 50 cars. I mean, he put in different colors on. Wow. And they would know which tracks to put them in. And that wasn't the case with all of the um, African-Americans that they had hired because all of us had high school diplomas. All of us could read. Yeah. So I'm just processing that. No, see, the thing that what, what really got me with Mr. Mack was that he kind of confirmed all of the stuff that I kept telling my children we always had to be better, no matter what. We always had to be better. Mm -hmm. We always had to do better. So here we are, we're sitting here, we're talking with this, this man, telling me this story about how he had to push and make him have, he had to have a high school diploma to get this particular job, and these men didn't even have to do this, and they had to do things by color. But he knew what he had to know, and he had to have a high school diploma in order to get it. But all they had to do was know their colors, know red, yellow, green, purple, and orange. That's it. 
<laughs> that was it. That was it. That was I'm it. also thinking, were they even aware of colorblindness? Exactly. Then? Was there even a, a test? Exactly. If you couldn't read or write, that, that's, you know, fine. They worked out a way to get around that. So, so learning this from him, I'm like, this is the perfect example of this is why we always have to do better. We, we always got to do, when one person has to do 100%, we have to do 150%, no matter what. We're always at that point. And he's a perfect example of that. Just his story alone teaches us that. So, I'm, I mean, this is why I'm like, yeah, Mr. Mack, I'm going to need you to get on the show. Because he gives us, he gives us an a example. He gives us a live example of everything that we talk about all the time on every show. So I'm also curious by seeing you on the front of the train that way, whether your your fellow brothers did that inspire them to think, oh, I can maybe you know maybe I should look into training to be able to do that. Well, I don't really know how they really felt about it. I I. I I think some of them were really happy to see it, uh, even though they might not pursue it, because a lot of them hadn't finished their education either, you know. So they might have wanted to stay right with the section game. The amazing thing with me was the language that was thrown at them, how they could take that, you know. Uh, that was mind-boggling to me. So is yeah. that kind of just being abused in a daily way? Just Yes, they were being abused. Uh, just trying to do their job. Trying to do their jobs. I mean, a few of them had some problems. You know, they might have gotten there late. That might have started it. Mm -hmm. You start with one, he festers, goes to the next one, to the next one. But uh, it was just so much to learn down there. But you, we weren't going to get any education from the white men that were working there because they really didn't want us there. And they weren't trying to aid us to tell us about this. Perfect example. When it rains, you cannot hear trains rolling down the tracks when it rains quiet. That means you can get ran over. That's something that you would think they would share. Now, as the years went on and new guys came on. Us that have been there and experienced this, shared that with them. Don't turn your back on any of these cars because they're constantly rolling. Mm -hmm. And if it's raining, you're not gonna hear them and they'll run over you. And that's how it was out there all the time. And then you work in rain, hell, sleet or snow, you know. And the good part about being out there you only had to work 12 days a year and you could hold, maintain your seniority, but that wasn't shared with us. We worked every day. We, you know, you used to working five days a week. You work five days a week. You look around at the guys that have been there for 30, 35 years. You see them, and then all of a sudden you don't see them for three, four weeks. And, you wonder, and then you, they pop back up because they have a thing called you mark off personal. You call the yard office. And you tell him, I want to be mark off personal. He knows right then that you can be off 29 days. So the first African-American that put that into play, they weren't comfortable with that. Was you know? that you, Mr. Mo Mr. Mo no, I never did take off 29 <laughs> days. But I did do this. Uh, if I worked 
last year and I worked through the snowstorm. Mm -hmm. This year I'm not going to work through the snowstorm. I saved my money so that when the snowstorm came, you stayed home. I called in and mocked off personal. And then the snow melted in a week, I go back out there. You know. So guy. I'm curious if you, you know, if your team didn't take those 29 days, you know, the, the 29 day thing, <clears throat> were you getting paid more or were you getting paid the same as the people who were taking all that time off? No, no, you, you didn't get paid. But my, like I said, I had my uncle, I'm named after him, Dorsey Mack, and he always informed me to save your money, save your money, because there's going to be some bad weather and you're not going to want to go out there. Mm -hmm. And he told me about this. If you notice, the language is train master, yard master, uh, conductor. Now this word master was a word that I really thought about deeply as I worked out there, because there's only four people. When you out there working, it's just four people in this great big yard. You have plenty of time to think about anything. I used to think about the word master. The only master that I know is my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's my master. So I had a problem with calling up there to that office and saying, uh, train master Gilliam, if that was his name, uh, to ask him about anything. So I would always say, Southern Brakeman Mac to the Norfolk, to the Chesapeake Yard office. Now I done that for about three years. But later on, one of their superiors questioned why I wasn't using the word train master or yard master. And that's when I started really having a few problems out there because I never said train master, yard master. I just identified myself as trainer Mac to the Chesapeake Yard office. And the clerk would come on and he would say, Mac, what do you need? And I would tell him. Now there were times that he would call me and he would tell me to switch over from track one to track three and tie 22 air holes. Well, I did that. But when I would go to the office after workday, I would fill out a yellow ticket. So I got paid for uh, car inspector pay, trainman pay. Oh, so it was two different things that he was having you doing and you... But if you don't know... But you don't know, oh. So for maybe two days, he would tell me that, and I would call my uncle, and he would say, when you go in to work tomorrow, you get two of those yellow tickets, and you put cars, claim cars back, back to pay. So we wasn't getting direct deposit right at that moment. We hadn't gotten it set up that way. Mm -hmm. So it was about 15 of us at the bank getting our checks cash, and most of these guys' checks were like, for two weeks was like maybe $1,200. For mine was like 2200 because I was claiming. Because you was claiming what you were supposed to claim. Yeah, and my uncle would tell me, don't worry about that. Don't worry about, it's just that 
they call you up in the office and ask you about it. How did you know that? You know, I don't care. I'm retired. You can tell them that your uncle <laughs> told you. So that's what I told my uncle Dorsey uh, is my supervisor, even though he doesn't work here. And uh, that's how I made it out there. I had an uncle that looked out for me. Yes. So tell them how what happened in your ending story, like how you ended up, you and the other 29 African-American men, what they did. Well, what happened was that, you know, most of us began, after we had worked there for like five years, we began to have regular jobs. My job was from 3 to 11. Another guy might have worked on the beach run, that, on a train that goes all through Virginia Beach. And uh, that was his main job. And this went on all the way up for about eight and a half years. And then the word came out that they were getting ready to merge with. But I, my uncle told me that this was already in play when they hired you. About merging. About the merge. Mm -hmm. They knew that nine years or so later they're going to merge. And they knew that they were going to release all of you all. And they could do it in a way where it couldn't be questioned because you have to have seniority to go with the merger. I was the only one that would have stood for a job, but there were a couple of men that had been there almost like 40 years that just didn't retire that year. I don't know whether they were coached or what, but they didn't go, so I didn't make the merger. You know what I mean? Um, I would have made it, but I didn't. And I looked at that as being a way of eliminating us because it was 33 of us. It was only two white boys. Now, after and those two white boys went with the merger and none of you did. None of us went. There was a few blacks that went and signed up for Atlanta. Um, I'm a home base boy. I, I didn't want to travel from Atlanta, mm -hmm. leave my family. So I didn't go. Um, to Atlanta, and the ones that did go to Atlanta experienced even more difficulties when they went up there. Yeah, that was for deeper south. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean it makes it makes sense. It was deeper south. You were still during that time period, and it was it was deeper south. Mm -hmm. So if you were to get a job right now with the railroad, you could pick up where you left off. Yes, it would round it out to. If I worked eight years and nine months, and if I had a year and two months to go, I could get my 10 years in and complete my retirement thing with them. If I had had 10 years then, I wouldn't even have questioned it. I would have went on and just got me another job, but because right now, that money would be coming in to me. So you but, were short basically a year. And, and all y'all. And a year and two months. A year and two months. From what I checked in Norfolk when I went down there. Wow. Yes. Um, it was something else that um, when when you go away and to like the Plymouth, North Carolina, they have a hotel room that you stay at. Mm -hmm. I was there for a month. I did not know. I knew I could stay in the Lemon Tree Inn, 
but I didn't know that they gave us uh, meal allowances and I could, I could eat a meal every day. I could get them to fix me a lunch every day. And they didn't tell you that? No, they didn't tell us in any of us that. I used to go down the street and buy some uh, a loaf of bread and some bologna and it kept going stale on me, right? <laughs> so I, I went down there and, and this young lady said, you come up here every four days and buy a loaf of bread and you get some kind of lunch meat or whatnot. Uh, aren't you at the elementary? And I said, yeah. She said, well, you need to check with my father. He works there. He runs that restaurant. And when she informed me about that and I asked him, he said, I never seen you before. And he said, let me see your railroad badge. I showed him my railroad badge. He said, man, I give you a wake up call in the morning. You come down here and get wow. your lunch. And you can come and get your lunch. Every day that you get off from work, I, you can uh, just call down here and tell me. I noticed your favorite is um, um, that um, it was uh, like a, it was a hamburger steak with cream potatoes and green peas. He oh, said, and I got you ready when as soon as you get off from work. And from then on, it got easier because I was people were talking to me that took a, a liking to me because they seen me um, trying to survive. That's right. what I was trying to do. Right. You know, I was the only one up there first. Uh, about a couple of months later, a few Marvel guys came, but they needed me to, to tell, tell them, them, hey, you can go eat downstairs. See, do. see, this is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Again, the only way for us to move forward is to help each other. Yes. He had, but you know. To help each other in the face of just really the pettiness. There's, and pettiness. There's, there's no other way to describe it. It's so petty. It was so petty. Which is going on right now. What we're experiencing right now uh, was mm. going on back then. Mm-hmm. We, ha we have to help each other. Yes. That's it. That's the bottom line. It continues. Again, I don't care. I don't know which cousin told me that historians say that it doesn't, the history really doesn't repeat itself. That has got to be the biggest lie in the world. It just happens over and over and over again. It just happens in a different type of way, in a different situation, but it still happens. It's the same thing and it's constant. And we have to help each other in order for this to move forward. In order for us to move forward, we have to help each other. Because again, I, I mean, I think about my dad, who's career Navy. Mm -hmm. He was on, served on nuclear submarines. He was a chief torpedo man. Mm -hmm. And he had to deal with pettiness. You're on a nuclear submarine. It's the height of the Cold War with the Russians. Mm -hmm. You're out there defending your country. Mm -hmm. And you have, like, a, there's just no other word to describe it. You have to deal with unreasonable, silly, childish pettiness. Yes. I'm not going to help you because you're, you know, you're, you're melanated and I'm not. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's crazy. before you even get into like the Southern boys who were just seamen, you know, seamen. They weren't, they weren't officers. They weren't even petty officers. Mm -hmm. You had problems taking directions or orders mm -hmm. from a black from man. From a black man. Yes. Because that was uh, an example of that. I was, my senior to put me in being a conductor sometimes. Sometimes I become the conductor when I had to direct the trainman and the field man as to what to do. Now I have this switch list in my hand and all these cars are lined up 
So I told uh, this white guy, I said, look, um, that car there got diamonds in it. He looked at me like I was crazy. And he said, you got diamonds in it? I said, yes, it has diamonds in it, so be careful with that car. He said, well, how do you know that? And I said, well, it's on the switch list right here. And that's when I learned that he couldn't read. He was one of the ones that go by the colors. Right. Mm. You put that red car in. Now, if you had a blue mark on it, then that means it was a car that don't need to be roughed up. Got it. You know what I mean? So was that a conversation that was ever had between... I mean, I don't even know if you had conversations with your white colleagues, but the dynamic between people who couldn't read and write, then you have black people who apparently, you know, I guess you would kind of would have assumed would have been in the same boat. I guess the question, what I'm thinking of is what is the dynamic between people who would have thought they were superior because of the color of their skin who couldn't read and write, knowing that there were black people who were their co-workers who could. Yes, there was a big problem with them after they found out that, um, I mean, at first, I was the first one out there, so they might have thought that maybe I was the only one that could read. No. All of us had high school diplomas. All, all of us was, it was a different breed of guys. We was the boomer babies. We were looking for jobs. We could read, write, could do a lot of things, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Now, the ones on the section games, I don't think that they had any, a lot of education, but they needed to see that a change had come. And they would see us experience things like, for instance, easy days, like on a Saturday, they would never call any of us to sand the locomotives. Because when you sand the locomotives, you have to drive up in a locomotive. You're going to get paid for that locomotive. And if it's three that you got to sand, you're going to get paid for that one, this one, and this one. That right there is like a $500 a day. Mm -hmm. I was lucky enough to get that assigned to me a couple of times. But most of the time, it would be the white boys that would get that money. Right. You know, and, uh, you know. So, uh, okay, so I, we allow our um, people who watch us, we have two areas that they watch us from. They watch us from the Listen Vision Live, which is our radio station that we're at. Mm -hmm. But then we also have it on our Facebook page, which is Genealogy Adventures. Mm -hmm. And Genealogy Adventures allows people to ask questions. Mm -hmm. So, would you be able to answer a question about how a person can get their records if their dad was in a, was once employed by railroad? Like, which, where they would go to be able to get some records like that? Well, you have, uh, you know, you have the railroad um, transportation office right there in Norfolk. Okay. You know, when I first uh, went up there... They told me how much time I had in. Um, they knew about the they knew about the merger. They knew that I came up about twelve or thirteen months short from being able to retire with ten years, mm -hmm. if that was the case. And uh, 
they even talked to me about going over to, uh, I think that's some part of North Carolina where there's a pier that um, tugboats take cars across, mm -hmm. but they were had already hired their people at that time, so he wasn't able to get me in with that. Oh, wow. So, so um, and I lost contact with him. Okay. Yeah, and so, that's how that went. And the first time I talked to anyone else about the railroad was when I talked to you. Really? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I just dismissed it, you know. Um, just before my wife and I got married, I had told her, I had went down and pursued it, but they weren't hiring engineers, conductors, or trainmen at that time. And this was in... Mm, 2006, you know. So just to get her question out of the way, basically they could go to their local train places, places, yeah. any of the local places to start looking for those particular records. Yes. I think she's asking about someone in I think hers in is in Ohio, Ohio, Columbus, Ohio. Okay. So her dad was yes. there. I would assume you would need to know the name of the rail company. Yes. And then I would just say Google to find you know, mm -hmm. that, that train company plus archives. That's right. To, That's right. To get that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Wow, Mr. Mack. I told you, you just would this. You're, you would just be awesome. I love it. I just didn't think that my family was going to be in here. I, I thought I would be a little nervous, but uh, I'm okay. You okay? You're doing yeah, just fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. You're doing just fine. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have any other stories you could tell us about working, you know, during that era? Like, how did it, how did it affect, was there any time where you had an issue that was kind of overbearing as far as during the Jim Crow time where there was a, a real problem. Cause I mean, it was Norfolk. It was, it was, it was definitely Southern. It was, I, I lived there, so I know. Well, I, mean, I shared the story with you about <clears throat> my father who was born in New Jersey mm -hmm. doing his Naval training in Norfolk mm -hmm. um, and in his training uniform. I think this was 1950. It was before my sister. I'm not going to give my sister's age away. It was the early 50s. Okay. Let's, put it, let's put it that way. He was told to sit in the back of the bus. And the only reason why he didn't have to is because his white naval training buddies, the mm -hmm. old cadets, were like, no, he's not. He's sitting with us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Out there, it was, you know, you, you could feel the difference and how we were treated versus um, how they were treated. I mean, like I said, you could take off, you could work 12 days a year and still hold on to your seniority. If, if we pursued that down the road, you would have some problems like this. They have men out there with pump shotguns that protect these seals on the cars. They have men out there that got cameras. You don't, it's a rule, you can't step on the rail. So for about six months, it seemed like they were just taking pictures, but all the pictures that they were taking were against black guys. And they would show you this foot on this rail 
and they would bring you. The first they would charge you, and you you got a charge. Mm -hmm. So when you go into the investigation, they would show you this boot on this rail, and they ask you, "Are you familiar with those boots?" And if you <laughs> said no, um, I'm not real familiar with the boots. And they would bring the projector up a little further where you would see your pants, and they would constantly keep asking you questions. And then until they come with the full body and say, that's you. And look, you can't work out on the railroad if you don't sometime, at some point in time, step on the rail to get over. But nothing is said to you when it's done. It's later. Mm. And they'll write you up and that went on for about six months. It was about maybe 12 of us that were given 30 days uptown. But the railroad has a saying, you hired to get fired, and then you rehire. Really? They hire you, and if you go out there and work every day for about three, four years, they're gonna fire you. Because you don't need to be out there for no four months every day. Because the railroad don't work like that. Mm -hmm. You can work five days a week. They have an extra board. They got men that's waiting for somebody to be off so they can come to work. And if you're not taking off, then you're not making it so the extra board. And it has a union too now. But so I'm, they needed those. So they mm -hmm. needed guys to take those twenty notes, those personal days. Mm -hmm. They needed them to take those personal days so that extra boy could come in. And work. And work. Yes. But they didn't tell y'all that they needed you to do that. No. So in order for you, if you didn't, weren't told to do that, they had to fire you. They had to find a reason. Wow. Which just creates bad feeling. Why not just, yeah. Why not just let me know? <laughs> but, that, but, that's, but that's how it is. You know, a lot of guys that go out there, I mean... Precious black guys, we trying to make some money. We, we, we working. You know, you get in a groove. See, some guys go to work, go home and go to bed and ready for the next day. Some guys like to hang out and they can't make it the next day. So they like that guy a little bit more than they like the guy that just go to work every day, every day, every day. He gonna be here. Never heard any. That's crazy. So you mean you want me to stay home? Sometimes. They won't wow. let you work a while. But after a while, I mean, because, come on, 1974, right now they're arguing with, about people making $7 an hour. It's people being paid $7, $8 an hour now. Mm -hmm. Well, that's no money now. Right. So back, then, back then, you know, we, we was making $13, $14 an hour. And that was a lot of money back then. We're talking about 1974. Right, that was a lot of money back then. So they're thinking they're doing you a favor too now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They might not think they're doing the white guy a favor, but they're thinking they're doing us a favor. Okay. And we're taking advantage of it because we're going to work five days a week, wow. 20 days a month, working overtime if we can, which I did a lot of, you know. I, I wouldn't work. The only thing I had about me was that I would didn't want to go to work at six o'clock in the morning because I hadn't woke up yet. And I, <laughs> I hadn't woke and up. first, no, and, the, and it rains sometimes and those cars are quiet. Right. I needed to be 
are well aware of what I'm doing, right. woke, rested. So I went to work at 3 o'clock. I ain't had no problem with it. Get off 11 o'clock at night. Wow. Yes. So you were being, you guys were being told off not because you weren't working hard enough. <laughs> you were working, working too hard. hard. We're working too much. Uh, uh, we're, not, we're not opening in the door for, for guys, others. for guys, for others. So they'll create this camera and they'll take those pictures of you stepping up on the rail. They'll, whatever violations, they didn't care about violations but they would use violations to make an opening for someone else to work. So I've got two tandem questions for you. Where was the union in all of this and were you allowed to become members of a union? I'm, I'm gonna say this because you, you probably heard this here recently. They're all in the loop. The union, uh -huh. the railroad. You, you'll never hear about a union man he works out there too. You'll never hear about him ever having a problem. And when you go into these little kangaroo courts that they have with you, your foot was on the rail, you'll then start finding out that the union representative is kind of siding. With the, with the company. And he might say it right in the investigation, they got you. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah, say that. So he he wasn't on your side. He was. On. But you don't know that until <laughs> that's when you, you know, you look at it and you say. So you were able to join, but but he wasn't on your side. So. Yeah, but I done something a little different. See, they had a thing called runoff insurance. My uncle Dorsey told me. I love Uncle Dorsey. Yeah, that did too. <laughs> My uncle Dorsey said, you know, they had a policy seven fifty. Yeah, when it was eleven fifty, seventeen fifty, and twenty-seven fifty, and he told me I had all that money up, and you go, and every month, you pay your um, your dues for that, and you got that coverage. See, so me, I was uh, a little headstrong then. I had worked almost four years without even missing a lot of time. So I did step on the rail. And I did go to the kangaroo court. And I didn't care if they gave me 30 days off. Because I had runoff insurance. So you was getting paid anyway? More money than I did if I <laughs> And when they found that out, they left me alone. <laughs> yeah, somebody else loved Uncle Dorsey too. <laughs> they put up their Latika Johnson. Yeah. said, I love Uncle Dorsey too. Yeah, yeah. Uncle Dorsey, he, he was the one that said, this is what you do about that. They got a thing called runoff insurance. And it's just like it said, they're going to run you off. But they don't need to know that you got some insurance. All of those white men out there got runoff insurance. But even if they run them off, it's legit. They still they pay. doing it they because still. they know he gonna be okay. He gonna be okay. Do you know what this reminds me of? Just listening to you, specifically what, what you've just been talking about. What we've researched all the time about our enslaved ancestors on the plantation, because they understood the system. They understood they the understood system. They understood how to yep. navigate the system. Yeah. And at least, in a system that allowed them no benefits. I mean, you're enslaved. Yes. Your body isn't even your own. 
they still knew how to navigate it, the system to try to get at least something back for themselves. That's right. So to hear your story going on from like the 1960s and the 1970s, I'm just drop the nine and put the eight. And yeah. Just drop back a couple more decades. Mm-hmm. Same story. Yeah. It's weird how things just never, never change. Never. And, they, and they had a great credit union um, over there, but if, if you, and I learned this from experience, I, I went in, I'm just trying to establish some type of credit. I go over and, and I only borrow $3,000. And as I'm sitting there, they're waiting on me. Some um, white man, he worked the railroad too, and he had his wife with him. They just, uh, I told the lady, she, she stopped working with me. She went with them, went, started working with them. And I said, uh, ma'am, I said, I, I really got it. A doctor's appointment. I need to get out of here. You know, you was working with me. She said, "You're just gonna have to wait." Okay, so I'm learning that they ain't, they're not even fair with that. Right. You know, if you go over there and apply for a loan, and some of those other people come in, they're gonna put them before you. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Yeah. But uh, that's how it was, and I wasn't shocked. I just go to Uncle Dorsey. I told him about it, you know, and he said, um, well, first of all, the way you work, you don't need no loan. You don't need no loan, first of all, and um, you working every day, and you had all the credentials to get that, and they know it. Mm-hmm. They didn't. They didn't want the other twenty-nine of you to keep running to come running over there. Mm-hmm. That's how they done it. So uh, I kept a lot of things to myself. A lot of things I I didn't share with um, the other twenty nine. Some things I didn't share because just because they're my black brothers. Sometimes some of them be acting just like them. And they go and tell who they got it from, and so on and so forth. Yes. And, uh, See, that's I, who we gotta stop doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that even that happened on one case with me sharing it with a friend of mine, and uh, they kind of blamed me mm-hmm. for informing the rest about Dustin. So because they didn't know about the twenty nine days, and so you told them, and then it. Well, he was sick. And I told him, I said, um, he said, I'm going to go down to the job because I got to tell him I'm sick. I said, well, yeah, not really. That's all you have to do is call in and tell him that, to mark you all personal. You can stay off 29 days. You might get well in that time, in which he did. He was off like two and a half weeks. You don't have to even tell him you're sick. You know what I mean? Well... He shared it with another guy, and it got around that I had shared that with him. You get one or two white guys to get to talk, and it goes back to those train masters and them yard masters, and it's just like pouring gas on on fire. But again, bringing it back to the point that none of you, by taking the 29 days, no one was doing anything wrong. No, no. They just didn't want you to know that. Yeah, but see... They didn't want you to know that. But then if it was, if it, if, if, if... If if it was one white guy to another white guy, it would not have been a problem. No. no. So why is it a problem? 
Because black, solid, black solidarity is always a frightening and scary thing, apparently. They didn't want us to know anything. And like I told you, they would call out and you'd be in a track. And they would tell you to switch over to track two and to tie these hoses. All they wanted you to do is tie those hoses. They don't want to pay you for that. But my Uncle Dorsey knew that if they asked you to do anything other than what you're supposed to do in transportation. My job is not to tie no air hoses. You know, the air hoses is put, what put brakes on the cars. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, they got these oil pads on the side that um, my job is not to change an oil pad on the side. That's car inspectors. So each one of them have different color tickets. So whenever they would tell me to do something like that, I would just get a purple ticket and fill it out, get a yellow ticket and fill it out, get a copy of it, keep it, and submit mine. At the end of the paper, I look on my payslip and see does that match up with all the paperwork I got over here. I might have six tickets over here. And I look down there and I see that all of them are there. Then I know they paid me for them. Then I would call my Uncle Dorsey, you know. Now he done had to call out there one time to get on somebody about his nephew. You know what I mean? He did because he knew this man. Mm -hmm. And he said, look, that's my nephew out there, you know. And, uh, I always just thank God for Uncle Dorsey. We all thank God for Uncle Dorsey. Now my One Uncle Dorsey was everybody needs an Uncle Dorsey. Dorsey. <laughs> so my, my, my Uncle Dorsey was 20 years older than my dad. And my dad thought that my, for a long time, thought that Uncle Dorsey was his dad. Oh, wow. But they were brothers when okay. he, was, he was 20 years older than him. Oh, know? okay. So um, it's what Monica Dorsey done for me. He he done it for his his uh, baby brother too. Okay. But I guess the thing that I <clears throat> I'm not surprised, but I still kind of struggle to get my head around. So if your team isn't being supported by the employer or line managers or line supervisors, you're not supposed to support each, each other. Each other. And yeah, you so can't who's, support so each other. So supposed to support you as a worker? You, yeah. Nobody. The union apparently, apparently the union wasn't what union wasn't supporting you. No, the union wasn't what all that it was said to be. Now, because I don't know of any brother that went before those um, investigation of those kangaroo courts that ever won. You know, he's going to get fifteen days off. They're either going to get fifteen days off. 30 days off, 60 or 90. So, I mean, is this the same for Pullman Porters? Mm-hmm. Because technically, it, it it is said that Pullman Porters are the ones that started the very first union. Mm-hmm. So, they, they didn't get... You didn't have, first of all, you didn't have any uh, black union representatives. They were all white. So even though the the black Pullman porters started this thing, you, you, they weren't on the division I was on. 
They weren't on Division 65. And they were also much, much earlier. Yes, yes. You know, um, 1970. So they had already gotten rid of them, in other words. <laughs> right, 1974 is okay. not so far fetched yeah. in 1960. You know how it was then. Like I said, most of the black men worked on section gangs. Yeah. They were driving spikes in the ground. Right, we were back. We had gone back again. We were repeating history again, in, yeah. in yeah. other words. Yes. That's yeah. what it was. We were yeah. repeating. My yeah. bad, my not bad. For the, I wasn't not thinking. for the first time, sadly enough. And sadly, right. Now, we were repeating. Now, what I was doing while I was out there um, on my lunch hours, I would be walking around in the yard, but I'm looking for a date nail. I'm looking for the year I was born. I'm trying to see. See, every time they lay these cross tiles down, mm-hmm. it's a date nail. It's about this long. And my uncle told me to try to find my date nail. Did it have your date written on it or something? 47. It would have the date 47? Really? Yeah, and you take it to the jeweler. You know, that's what my uncle said. You take it to the jeweler. And they bend it and turn it into a ring, so the 47 show. Oh. But they buff it, they buff it, they buff it, and they take it all the way down. Then you can have it dipped in gold, and then you can put whatever diamonds you want on it. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what I did, you know. And um, Did you find one? Yeah, I found my date nail, and I had it dipped in gold, and I had diamonds put on it, oh, wow. you know. Um, well, my first wife, um, after we split, I had no idea where it went. I had no idea, you know. But I kind of like forgot all about that when um, I met my, well, I always knew my wife when she was younger. Mm-hmm. My wife now, I've been knowing her since she was like eight. So I kind of like forgot about all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it was fun when it was, I was getting that done. I found my date nail. I, I had it, took it to the jeweler, and they fixed it up for me. And I even wanted to put Southern Railways on it. And I just wanted to, that to be a part of my history. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But after I, it was misplaced or whatever, I just forgot about it. You know, the railroad didn't mean what it meant to me when I started, you know. Um, I didn't want to be on the railroad no more, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was, um, I didn't want to know that white people felt that way about us. It was sad to me, you know what I'm saying? Right. Um, because I know we were much better people to them than they were to us. And then one day, mm. I looked around, and none of us were there. Wow. Wow. You know, that's kind of sad. Thirty-three of us started, and only two that stayed out there was the two white boys, and they went into the union as, um, yeah, they, they joined the union. That's how that went. And I had more seniority than them, you know? You know and as we close the show out, the really kind of sad thing about that is the, the breadth of experience mm-hmm. that got lost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, uh, wow. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I never thought that 
my conversation with you in the hall that day at work. Would bring us here. That had me um, <laughs> um, clean as a whistle. On That's TV. right. Clean the board out. <laughs> <laughs> clean as a whistle. Uh, you know, getting a chance to even see myself. I, you know, I, I, I look You look good, don't you? Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm a little, uh, I always tell my, my kids, I say, uh, I'm not photogenic, you know? You look good. Uh, you know, you know. I, look, who told you you weren't photogenic? Well, I'm going to tell yeah. you this. Your story, I'm so glad that you were able to make it the last time because this story at this time being the last story for Black History Month was the best thing ever. Thank you. It, it really, really, really was. I don't know how anybody else feels about that, but I'm going to tell you, your story, just hearing you talk about your experiences and everything that you've gone through and the things that you've done and and the, the story about finding your date and all of that good stuff, it has been, it's just been a joy. You didn't tell me that. I didn't know about that. And you've told me so much in the halls as we're passing each other at the DAR. I didn't know about that. So I'm just so... Well, can I share one more thing with you? Yes. Real quick. Okay, real quick. <laughs> Each train when we go from Chesapeake to Plymouth, North Carolina, it's 250 cars on the train. Okay. Okay. To show you how these guys operate out there. If they pull the pin and the train separates, that means the train can't go anywhere. So you have to take the, the brakeman on the caboose and the brakeman on the head, and they have to walk the train. The fear in that is this. In the winter, bears come and get up on the locomotive. Oh, my goodness. And they lay there. Because it's warm. Yeah. You know the switches you ever seen where they move yeah. the switch mm -hmm. this way? In the summer, the snakes in there. Oh. So and you, that's why Donnie was never <laughs> you, you would never catch me. You ever seen these fusees where they go and it burns? Uh-huh. Okay. The ones on the railroad would burn underwater. The ones that you see them up on these highways in the state, mm -hmm. they they not gonna burn underwater. Right. They'll burn. They'll burn in the rain, but they ain't, they ain't gonna burn. They ain't gonna go under the water. Right. Well, those are the ones we had. So every time I would get to a switch, you'd have to do one. No, of them. no, I take throw it under there, and I and you hear them run. <laughs> <laughs> then I turn the switch. And you just can't take for granted that they're not under there, because they're under there. Yeah. And when you go out on the locomotive, you got they can't just run out the locomotive. You got to take one and throw it down that aisle, throw it down this aisle, because those bells will haul it if, and it's always two of them, this you know. And they two, three hundred pounds, you know what I mean? So. That's One night, I was on the caboose, and the white boy was on the head end. And uh, I don't know what happened to him. But no, he was on the caboose. They told me to sit tight. Maybe they didn't like him. They told me to sit tight. 
that he's coming up. But when he got up there, he was all bloody. But no, there ain't no bear got him. No bear got him. He's just scared to death, and he running in his stuff, trying to get. Oh, God, okay. <laughs> he just running. He running, and he get there, and he's all out of breath. And I said, man, what happened? He said, nothing. That's all he said. <laughs> That's all well, Mr. Mack, thank you so you much for being on the show. I ain't no bad looking guy. <laughs> we want to you want to tell him about next one. Yeah. We can talk about that. But yeah. thank you once again for sharing your Sunday with us. Yeah. We will see you next week right here at 4 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Yes, guys. Enjoy the rest of your day. Yes, see you guys. <laughs> Bye-bye.